0: Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology, and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Human beings are great at displaying so many things like creativity, skill, athleticism, but perhaps one of the things that almost all of us have in common is emotions which is nothing but a certain type of energy in motion. And sometimes these energies make you feel on the top of a mountain. And sometimes when things aren't going right, they throw you down to a low point, which almost shatters everybody. We go through these emotions every day. And some people use it to become stronger. And some people use it in other ways. My guest on the show today has taken the other part. He, ladies and gentlemen, is an entrepreneur and has titles like Warps 30 Under 30, finalist for Ernest and Young Entrepreneur of the Year, and serves on the National Board of Making-A-Wish Foundation. Everyone, please welcome Stephen Eisen. Welcome, Stephen.
1: Thank you so much, CJ. It's a pleasure to be on the show with you.
0: So, Stephen, I personally find your story super fascinating and impressive and inspiring, really. And that's one of the reasons I have you on the show today. So tell us about your story. Did you try something else? It didn't work out and you're like, ah, screw this. I'm just going to start my own business. How did it work for you?
1: Yeah, uh, being an entrepreneur has always been in my DNA. Uh, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur. And so I always saw them um, doing what they did every day growing up. And um, I always was coming up with ideas for different businesses. I, sat, I had a small woodworking uh, company in high school, um, and then low uh I came up with when I was a freshman at Cornell. Um, I was on vacation with my family and friends, and I was thinking about how lucky I was to be there and how school was going so great, but that week my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and he was someone I was very close to growing up in life, and uh, that really brought me to a low, and I really thought about the highs and lows that I was going through and how everyone goes through highs and lows in their life, just like you mentioned, right? It doesn't matter your age, demographic, income level. We all have crazy highs and lows. And I said, okay, well, what are the highest and lowest points on earth? Mount Everest and the Dead Sea. And then I thought about how I could take elements from those two places and incorporate them into a bracelet (laughs) that people could wear every day as a reminder to find balance in life. So injected in the white ball of the Loci bracelet is water from Mount Everest and injected in the black bead is mud from the Mm -hmm. Dead Sea, which is a constant reminder to always stay humble when you're on top of the world and hopeful when you've hit a low. Uh, From the very beginning, uh, and because my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, giving back has always been a huge part of the company as well. And Loci donates 10% of profits to charity, and we've donated a little over $9 million since we launched nine years ago.
0: Wow, that's cool. That is yeah, that that's a fascinating story. Um but tell me first, what does lokai mean?
1: So lokahi in Hawaiian means unity and to blend mm-hmm. opposites. I wanted to find a word that was uniquely ours, so um I changed the spelling to create the word lokai, but it's inspired by that Hawaiian word about balance.
0: Okay. Perfect. And balance is one thing that keeps coming up. You know, when I was growing up, I was always at the extreme ends. it was either all or nothing. And I hardly understood anything about balance. But I remember it was my grandma that would first um, tell me, CJ, everything has to be done in a balance. And I'm like, ah, we don't need balance. We just need to go out there and do it. So that was my mindset. And as I grew up, this thing of balance keeps coming into my life and, you know, every month, every day that passes, it only keeps reminding me of when, um, you know, she says, keep everything in balance. And every time I get to that homeostatic balance state, things just start flowing. But then when you're, well, for balance, you really need to, like what you did with your company, you have to blend two opposites, right? So you're always, you always hope for a balance to happen now in a lot of the traditional um, sciences and cultures, they reference the yin and the yang, the sun and the moon, the night and the day, the fire and the water. These are all opposites. But then, when you come when you combine them, you sort of want to get to a balance. But what happens today is when people combine two opposite things, sometimes one thing is always more dominant than the others. Like you know, sometimes people might want to um, get a balanced ground in their emotions or their finances or, you know, how they work out. But either they get too much of it or they get too less of it. So how do you think we work out this? How have you personally worked out this balance equation? Have you ever um, had something which was much more dominating than the others? And if it did, then how did you, like, come to balance in your own way?
1: Yeah. So the way that I look at it is... Um, I look at my life in a way as a pie chart and seeing what, what pieces of my time are being allocated to what. And I try to make sure that within that pie chart, there's always family, work, health and wellness and fitness and friends, right? And those to me are the four most important things that really bring me balance in my life. And yeah, you're right. Sometimes they flex up, sometimes they flex down, right? I had two young children a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And when they were born, family became a way bigger part of that pie chart because like I was up all night with them. And, um, you know, it, it, you had to do it and sometimes work gets crazy and that becomes a bigger part of the pie. But I think knowing that it's okay not to – be perfectly even with with each one but making sure that they're always present in a way um, for me is how i find balance because if work is a lot and family is a lot and i'm not working out at all that's really when i feel the most out of balance yeah i might not be working out two hours a day i might just be going for a quick run in the morning or just getting my fitness in to to fill that cup and feel healthy but that allows me to then be a better dad, be a better husband, be better at work. And so I try to always keep all of those pieces within my day, week, month, year.
0: Okay. That that sounds fair. And especially, you know, being a father, I'm not a father yet, but everyone that I've spoken to, one of the things that I've heard is that when you become a dad, first thing that gets knocked off from your life is sleep and balance. So... What have you, do you have any special like routines or, or, you know, biohack rituals or do you use any apps or mantras? What's your, what's the nitty gritty secret behind like your balance apart from the pie chart?
1: Uh, So I do two things that really help me out. One is I have a great morning routine. I wake Uh up two hours before I start work. So today, this call, since we're in different time zones, started at 7 a.m. So I woke up at 5, and I went for a run this morning. So I always try to get my workout in first thing in the morning. I think that just being able to check that box of, hey, I feel great, I accomplished this workout, it sets my day up for success. Um, And second is I try to get a great night's sleep. And one way I do that is just like how I – say, okay, if I start work at seven, I have to wake up at five. I try to get between seven and eight hours of mm-hmm. sleep. And and so for me, that is what an optimal night of sleep is that allows me to function my best. You know, like I think the this whole world we live in, where on social media you see people saying, grind, 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 stay up till three in the morning and work, work, work. Like it doesn't that, that's not a long-term strategy. You could do that for a day or a week, but like you can't stay up till three in the morning and then wake up at five or six in the morning every day and then, and then have a great day of work because you'll just burn out. Um, and so for me, I, I'm really looking at entrepreneurship as a lifelong passion. I want to do this for the next 50 years. And so I need to have a schedule that allows me to to do it on that time horizon, not just how do I do what I want to do in one year and then I'm done. Hmm. I don't view it as an end. And um, we didn't bring it up, but uh, because of all of these different functions, I started a second company uh, called Elements of Balance, which are uh, plant-based functional products. So we have drinks and supplements for energy focus, calm, and sleep. And uh, they really work. And, They've really helped me stay on this routine of getting the night's sleep that I need, focusing when I'm working um, and unwinding after work.
0: Okay. That, that is very interesting. Uh, personally, for me as well, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I try to start my day at least an hour and a half or two hours before I have to get to anything serious. And normally it would have a, a meditation part. It would have a movement part. It would have going outside. I'm lucky that I have sun throughout the year. So Getting outside, you know, having that circadian alignment together and sleep, I just can't talk enough of how important sleep is. And what happens is when, like you mentioned, the culture that we're living in is all about grinding and hustling and you know making things work. But then you're sort of pushing the pedal too much or burning the candle at both ends. And scientifically. There is about 0.01% of the population that can do that. They have a certain gene mutation that allows them to get by on very less sleep. But for most people, which is like 99.99% of the people, that is not going to work. And even if someone who's listening to this, you know, you're thinking that or you're just, you know, you're just um, telling yourself that, you know, you might be working hard and that's your excuse. Well working hard doesn't mean you're working effectively because we know from all the research in neuroscience and sleep that every time you miss even 30 to 40 minutes of sleep, there is a huge decline in your brain's performance. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I speak to biohackers all the time and they're like, oh, I'm just going to have some supplements or I'm going to have something else. But it still doesn't do what your brain can naturally get to. And you become less of an asshole, to be honest, because when you're sleep deprived, you know, you're just angry. And that's not a state yeah. that no one wants to live in, right? Especially when I, you're drinking. I to totally,
1: yeah, I totally agree. It's, uh, yeah. I, it's, I think it's the most underestimated way to be productive, feel healthy, and, fi- and find balance. Yeah. And trust me, well, in my early days, I tried not sleeping and grinding, 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 and it's not sustainable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, you could do it for a short period of time. But then the rebound effect is uh, sometimes it's so much more harder for uh, you to deal with. And I don't know if you know this, but there is a lot of research now on neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, and most of them there is there's these theories have been proven that sometimes all of these are happening because your brain isn't able to now there are some nutritional components to it as well but there's a big evidence evidence and research saying that these conditions are caused because you're not allowing yourself enough time to sleep and clear out some of the damaging proteins that damage neurons like the beta amyloid plaques or the the neurofibrillary tangles that uh, become a tau protein, neuroinflammation. So there is a lot. There's a lot of other things that happen when you don't sleep. Okay, let's move on from sleep. I love your company and your company's approach towards where you can get. You know, you're more or less you're sort of providing people an anchor in your company Lokai, um, which which asks them or reminds them rather to become humble and hopeful at the same time, depending on what situation you're on. So walk me through, like, was this just because you were facing highs and lows in your life? Or was there some other inspiration that got you to do this? What was going on in your mind?
1: Yeah, no, it was, um, like I said, it was, it was the diagnosis of Alzheimer's from my grandfather, and uh, just feeling those highs and lows in my own life, so close together. And, Realizing that everyone goes through them. And so um, I wanted to make a product that you could wear every single day as as that reminder, whether you're up or down, um, how important it is that life is a journey and there's no destination and we're all going to go through highs and lows. Um, And just having that reminder that like, it's okay if things are tough Um, and then to stay humble when you're on top.
0: Mm. And I love, I love that you actually brought like literally elements from on the highest and the lowest places. Like if people were listening to this and they probably don't know because information keeps changing all the time, Mount Everest is like the highest place you could go. Uh, you know, some mm-hmm. people have climbed it. It's above 8,000 something feet, um, really high. And then you have things from the Dead Sea, which is I think 1,000 1, feet below sea levels or something like that. So these are really high and really low places. So, you know, it, it definitely serves as a reminder for everyone. And your bracelets look really cool as well. I have to give you that. It looks really cool. So when, um, and now you spoke about your second business. You spoke about um, elements of balance. So how did you come up with elements of balance? Was it because you were trying to sleep better and you were like, oh, man, I need I need a few things to help me out there? Or how did it come through
1: yeah i think organically my personal mission is to help people find balance in life and loci was the first iteration of that and um as i thought about other products that i could make that help people find balance uh, i didn't want to just write find your balance on a t-shirt or a hat and sell it right like that's not that's not um authentically going to deliver on the promise of helping people find balance in a unique way and I learned about adaptogens and how in clinical doses they have functions that you can really feel, but only if they're clinical, clinical doses, right? I think a lot of the competition and other products out there use a drop or two of um, adaptogens because the word adaptogens is, is trendy right now, but we wanted to make sure our products really work. So we created four different formulas in energy, focus, calm, and sleep each one using clinical levels of adaptogens based on third-party clinical studies that were done. And what we did when we created our products was we made sure to not only use the same dose that was in the clinical studies, but we're actually using the exact same supplier and source of adaptogens. So um, they're direct one-to-one to what's in the clinical studies.
0: Okay, that that is interesting. And yes, I have been, Looking at for the past few years, the word adaptogens being thrown around um, everywhere. And, um, you know, a lot of people would now have their mushroom or cacao or anything mixed with uh, some of these adaptogenic elements. And it's, it's funny you say that it's trendy now. But, you know, adaptogens, like just to go back a little bit, adaptogens have been around for the longest period of time, like mm-hmm. I think You know, when you look at uh, a lot of traditional Chinese medicine, you look at Ayurveda, um, that's the Indian medical system, it's been around for like five to 10,000 years. And I think what the Western society, when I say Western, I say geographically, the Western areas have been exposed to this thing, I think around the 1900s or 1950s, where like if you go back and if you still look at a lot of these Chinese formulations and a lot of Tibetan medical formulations, you'll see like so many herbs like rhodiola, ginseng. In the traditional Indian Ayurvedic system, there, have been, there are some ancient texts and I think it's called the charaka, samhitas. When basically the guy who wrote all of these things is in this text, he's described over 350 different plants and adaptogenic herbs which is, comes specifically in the Indian region, like the Holy Basil, the Amla, the Shilajit. And yeah, now we see athletes, we see you know Shaolin monks, which are, I'm a big fan of. Um, there's even evidence that the Vikings used it. So adaptogens have a very good history. But my only question with adaptogens every time I look at them was, when I first started using them, they were I was looking at a lot of research from the military, from the Russians. I think uh, there was a doctor named Dr. Nikolai, um, and he sort of like used it on a lot of military soldiers for stress resilience, and they proved out to be really good. But the only thing that bothers me is that every time someone zooms or you bulk buy all of these things, they have a very high toxic load. And if you import things from china or you import things from the uh, you know the sub-indian continent you can get a lot of like high cadmium nickel um, you know all of these heavy metals inside so i really like the fact that you guys looked at the clinical side of it because normally how supplement manufacturers are they'll they'll look at the science they'll see something works and they'll just try to put something inside and most of them don't even especially even if you go to amazon right now and you see like you have adaptogens you'll have like hundreds of different suppliers but i bet not even one percent of them have gone that step further to a sourcing and b the clinical dosages and they just want to throw things on the top of each other so um did you guys always look into this clinic and, you know, looked at your supply chain or was it was it recently? Like, how, was it there from the beginning? You wanted to nail this?
1: Yeah, it was there. For, it's a great question. Uh, it was there from the beginning because for me as an entrepreneur, um, I don't care how good your marketing is, how good um, your name is, how good your website is. It, at the end of the day, it all comes down to the product itself, right? How high quality is your product for the price point that you're selling it? And is it something that consumers are going to want to come back to over and over again? And so with Loci, I did it as well, where I made sure that it was a really high quality product um, because that is what allows you to really build a great company. You need operations and sales and marketing, but... At the end of the day, I believe the product is the cornerstone of every business. And so for elements from day one, um, I, I said, we're not going to do this unless it's an incredibly high quality product that really works. And that's how we kind of went down the rabbit hole, finding these clinical studies and building our formulas based on the real science and the real data. And um, it's funny because some of the adaptogens that you men- mentioned earlier are in our products so in energy we have ginseng and rhodiola and focus we use shisandra and lion's mane mushroom and calm there's holy basil we also have wild green oat in it and then in our sleep formula we use ashwagandha and as well as passion flower
0: well yeah that that's that's quite an interesting mix i have hardly um experimented with wild green oat But um, yeah, that seems to have quite a lot of evidence as well. And um, so do you have like a team of people who are looking at all of this research or do you have like an herbalist who's looking at all of these combinations or or how does that work?
1: So we built the formulas with a scientist and an ethnobotanist. And then we Mm -hmm. used a food innovation lab to help bring those clinical doses into a ready to drink product that also tasted great, had zero sugar um, and was flavorful. Because in food and beverage, one thing that I've learned in my short, uh, short time in this space so far is taste is everything, right? It doesn't matter how great functionally your product works. If it's a drink, it needs to taste great or consumers won't come back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially when we speak about, uh, you know, these um, adaptations like you mentioned, ashwagandha, shizandra, lion's mane, holy basil, rhodiola. If you, if anyone who's listening to this, if you ever get your hands <laughs> on these compounds by itself, and you try to like, you know, even if you have an extract and if you try to mix it in your water, one thing is for sure that it's not going to taste well. Because these are like very bitter, um, something that is very essential. I I personally have been, I, at this point, I've, I don't really care about the taste. It's like, all right, I'm just going to close my nose and, you know, mm-hmm. just, just gulp it down. But I know everyone else and everyone's not going to do that. So thank you. Thank you for the ancestral wisdom with the modern science and food innovation and bringing something to the market that people can really use, you know, have it, take it to their office you know have it in their fridge or buy it off a shelf Uh, because we're facing right now there is enough information there's enough of the products but like getting it to the right people at the right time and in the right dosage is the challenge so i congratulate you for doing that you also mentioned that your company has donated over nine million you said in charity right yes correct why didn't you use that money to buy a yacht or go crazy in vegas why did you Give that money to Charity.
1: You know, I've, I've been taught since I was a little kid, the importance of giving back and helping others. And uh, when I started Loci, I, I thought that that was an important pillar in finding balance. And so from day one, we've always given back and um, I believe like it, it truly does make you happy and, um, I currently sit on the National Board of the Make a Wish Foundation and uh, we have four board meetings a year and every quarter and you know the time that I invest and the dollars that I invest into giving back are one, it makes me incredibly happy to do and feel fulfilled right I think that's that is truly an amazing thing about finding balance in life and two, you end up getting more than you give, you know, the relationships and doors that have opened through giving. It's amazing. It's a funny thing how that works.
0: Hmm, That is very interesting. Never thought about that. And uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned happiness and fulfillment. One of the things that money can't really buy, because we know there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires out there whose lives are miserable. And, um, yeah, money doesn't, for anyone who doesn't have the money, they probably might be thinking that, you know, if I make a lot of money or a ton, a ton loads of money, then I'm going to be happy and fulfilled. But there is always this gap that exists even when you, you know, it's just, it's just in our human nature. And for anyone who's listening to this, uh, please take a note on this because, you know, you might be thinking from a traditional you know reductionist approach which all of us have that hey if I give how is it gonna I work so hard for it how is it gonna bring me anything back but there's so many different like when you look at there are people in the world people in you know universities like Harvard and Stanford and there are legitimate legitimate studies on this that when you start giving back to people, the first thing that happens is that you start feeling much more happier, your mood is boosting, it has many different aspects or, you know, like, effects on our biology as well, it boosts regions of the brain that are uh, like, that are associated with pleasure, social connection, trust, and it also gives you sort of like, if if you're a runner, and every time you run, you feel happy, it's because of the endorphin rush that comes from the runner's high. But also, if you start giving, it doesn't have to be a lot, but if you just try to go out of your way to help someone out, you're going to get something known as the helper's high, which is also this rush of endorphins that make you feel really good. And it helps you with gratitude and affection. So it's a strategy. And thank you for telling us, Steven that you even make good connection. I never have thought about before. So yeah. Also, hey. also, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, and I do one and of and the also just... yeah, go on. Sorry, no, no, you go. What were you saying?
0: I was saying that I personally am on the verge of starting my own health optimization anti aging company, and right before it even right before we had you know some of the ring on and some of these things that we were planning to do. Um, also, by the way, we have a product that can we designed it to reduce neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, works on a whole host of biological pathways. But one of the things that was important for me was that I have to, in some way or the other, help. This company has to, some other, uh, other way, help someone out. So for we have a, all, different sorts of products. Some are expensive, some are not that expensive, and for every product that someone buys, we um, we feed a person for the entire day. We're looking at basically the longevity of the planet. We help uh, reduce carbon emissions by planting a tree. And we provide one year of clean drinking water for a person on every purchase. So this was something that came to me even before I had this idea of formulating a company. I was like, okay, how am I going to, how is this so and the the closer I get to starting this comes you know this feelings of gratitude and this helper of what is going to happen in the future is already satisfying me. So anyone who's listening, take a note. This is something super important.
1: And what were you saying throughout? Oh, yeah, no. I was just gonna add also that um, another thing that we thought about with Lokai was the price point. So, uh, Low loci bracelets uh, cost between 18 and 22 dollars and uh, that was really important to me as well from a, from a price point standpoint is we wanted to make sure we had a product that everyone could afford right because finding balance isn't something that just wealthy people should have uh, from a jewelry company but it should be something that um, that can spread to as many people as possible and uh, that's the same approach I took with elements which with making sure that our products were affordable um, for everyone not just
0: small mm-hmm. group okay yeah again thanks for doing that because I see most of the times a lot of companies focus on just the price point to be really high just looking at like how much profits they can accumulate or how many how much total revenue that they can make but the fact is we're billions of us out there who really need to sort of get into balance. So thank you for doing that. Now, while we're on the topic of business, now you started your business so early and you have become very successful in my eyes. Do you have any, okay, this would be a selfish one. Would you have any hacks or a formula for anyone who's listening to this, whether it's me, who's going to start a new business or someone else who's, you know, listening to this and feels inspired to do something? Because honestly, the idea that you have, if, Someone would have pitched this idea to me. I don't know. How old is Lokai now?
1: Uh, I, st- I launched the company a little over nine years ago.
0: Nine years. Okay. So let, even if someone gave me this idea about seven years ago, in all honesty, I would be like, would this really work? Cause you know, right. As time goes especially with this whole pandemic thing we realize that you know people do really need balance and people do really need reminded because so many of these things where we were taking things for granted but you had this insight so early so you're like a visionary already looking at something that wasn't even supposed to be a market and you created a market so what i want to know like how your brain works and do you have any tips or tricks or some things that you always like move in the direction of when you're thinking of this, or maybe you want to start any other company?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, um, when starting a company, the, the most important thing is that it's something that you're really passionate about. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was so deeply emotionally connected to this message of balance and helping others figure it out because no matter what business you start in any industry, you're going to have plenty of highs and lows. That's for sure. And it's a daily grind and um, being able to kind of flow with those highs and lows and build a company over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, like that's the mindset that you have to have as an entrepreneur building a company. Um, I I think these like ideas of, Hey, I'm going to grind for three years, build a company and sell it for hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, that's just not realistic. Um, and, and you asked me how old Locai is, um, and I launched it nine years ago, but I was working on it and bootstrapped it for three years uh, before while I was in college. So I've been working on this company for uh, 10, 11, 12 years now, and I feel like it's just getting started, you know? So um, I think – building a company within the industry in a space that you're truly passionate is the only way that uh, it will be successful. And I think second, it's about balance, um, which I know we keep going back to, but um, you got to be able to have a sustainable kind of daily routine and something that you can build for for a very long time. And um, the way that I look at it is when I look back on my life, Um, when I'm old, like, did I spend the time on things that were important to me? And for me, that's family, it's fitness, and it's, it's work and friends. Uh, I don't want to look back on my life and say, I worked. And that's the only thing I did. And I didn't spend time with family or watch my kids grow or teach them how to ride a bike or do anything like that. Right. So Um, I truly believe balance is the best way and um, the most successful people that I've encountered in life are able to find that balance because you everyone has the same number of hours in a day, right, but there's many different levels that people are successful and so it's not about the number of hours that you put into work, it's the quality. Um, and what you're spending your time on. So I think it's also being very thoughtful and um, proactive on w- your allocation of time and being able to say no to things um, and, and only do things that really make a difference.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think that's, that's really helpful in a, a society full of social media and foremost, and, you know, just people just showing best parts They, I think people get carried away, especially these algorithms that we're facing, which are AI driven. Sometimes even, you know, when you have a strong mindset and you have this balance level of sanity, it could throw you off balance the way things have been designed. And, um, saying no is one of the things that is difficult, but is so essential. In my opinion, as well, because if you start saying yes to everything, yeah, you're good in the moment, but also to realize that you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to. I mean, personally, I don't have this approach. That time is running out, and we're in the scarcity of time, but to but to sort of be cognizant of the fact that you know, every day that is passed is a day that is passed, and every day that you're not doing something to be just the best version of yourself, like either a better father or a better husband, or, you know, smile at the person in traffic those things, if you keep saying yes to everything, it's going to catch up to you. And yeah, time thing. It's not just a few years and you can learning constant improvement because there's in there. We always say, oh, if you're there, we'll do this. And if you get there, we'll do that. But there's no there there. It's it's a constant journey. And thank you for highlighting that. Now, has 2022, specifically, like we're seven months now, have you adapted any sort of new things that you have found very helpful? This year? Ideas, skill, you've incorporated in your life that you found helpful and you would like to pass it on?
1: Yeah, um, meditation, for sure. Um, It's something that I, being present was something that I was not good with uh, previously, right? My brain was always thinking about work or what I was doing or um, like what I could be doing the next day for work. And Having kids has really uh, made me work at wanting to be present because when you're with them and they're young, right? Like the smallest things, just playing on the playground—it's so simple, but um, you really want to be there with them and not be in your brain somewhere else or with your head down on your phone on Instagram. And so I, um, I started just meditating about ten minutes a day in the morning. Um, and just really helped me um, be more present with everything that I do.
0: Presence is is the key word here. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about when you were telling me this is that every time, I mean, I think there are a few books on this as well, but basically there are recorded conversations. I think there are five things that most people on their deathbed would all say. One of the things is that I wish I'd spend so much time working i wish i was present with my family i wish i would have given back or not taken life so seriously later in the bigger scheme of life you always start okay what could have done so tell me steven how do you get rid of anger do you have any hack strategies and it could be you don't have to mean you could tell me one one word or a line or something because you have a multiple emotions that i want to walk with you through and i want to see like how you tackle those. So first one is anger.
1: Yeah, I am on the work side of things. I actually have learned to try to take emotion out of everything that I do um, because I don't think emotion helps you make the smartest decisions in business. Um, And so, yes, I want to be emotional about building a great company. But when things don't go so well, or they are going well, I always try to stay very level-headed and make sure we're making the most rational business decision. And that's what I've learned, actually, from some of my colleagues on the Make-A-Wish board who are incredibly successful operators in um, Fortune 500 companies. And so um, being very level-headed, so I try not to bring anger to my work at all. Um, And on the personal side, when I'm not in the office, yeah, I, I, I look at it as... If I'm getting angry, then I'm the one being upset. Like, why am I upset? Um, and how can I fix that? So I would say I'm, I'm not a very angry person and don't really get angry much.
0: How about fear? How do you deal with fear?
1: Um, I deal with fear. Uh, I would say um, fear is not... Uh, Hmm. I tackle fear and, and fear I think can be used in many different ways. I don't want to get to the end of my life. Like we were just talking about earlier and look back and regret things. So I kind of put fear and regret in the same category. And so I actively work mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm doing things. So I don't regret missing out on things later on that'd be my biggest fear probably Um,
0: and yeah this has been a fan to learn a lot from you and uh, i'm sure the listeners your guys are not driving then please take notes uh because this is the the kind of things steven has been highlighting uh has has been gold for me and this is coming someone who is writing a Theory in a textbook, or you know, is going out on social media and saying, "Hey, do this or do that." He's just sharing his life and what he does, and he's a good example. He's he's there where where most people have to go, want to go. So, thank you for sharing that. Now, for my last question, if you could ever, like, let's say, like Marvel DC movie, okay, and then we have a time machine, and you decide. You go back in time you can go back however long and you could give like one piece of advice what would that be
1: <laughs> I mean uh, I the first thing that pops into my mind is uh, buy bitcoin in 2011 oh man <laughs> this is something that I
0: always you know I, I forgot to I mean normally with people I always tell them that hey this is one of my stupid questions like if you could go back in time and ask. Uh, Oh, it's like bunching at this time, and this is mine. So that's funny. Yeah,
1: that's the honest answer.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Because honestly, that'll be the answer for me too. Like now, if someone have told me, I was like, "Oh, Bitcoin." <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Okay. okay yeah. Perfect. Now, you were really kind to, to share with us a discount code for your. and uh, and um, I really appreciate that. I'm sure all the listeners too. We have a lot of listeners in the United States and I keep traveling to the US. So if I'm ever around your part of the town, I'll uh, send you a text and uh, we can catch up for a coffee or something if your okay. schedule allows it.
1: I love that, and, CJ. And yeah, for everyone listening, um, the website is loki.com, L-O-K-A-I.com and we ship worldwide. So you don't have to be in the U.S. to be able to get our products.
0: Okay, that's good. And um, yeah, Lokai, and I'll put in the Instagram, all of those things in the show notes. And by the way, Instagram is great. I love it. I Thanks kept like so much. I know really you don't really like Instagram so much. I'm mean, now just go and post and get out. But like with your, uh, uh, just like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So really good. Call- And um, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your life, your mindset, the way you think with us. We've all learned a lot. And we'll be in touch. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much,
1: CJ. See you soon. And thank you.
0: And for everyone who's listening, this is me, your host, signing out from the Shift for CJ podcast. I hope everyone has a great day, great week, a great life ahead of you. Take care, everyone. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.